with people involved in the lives of people would make all the difference. And so you look at Jesus throughout the gospel, and what, what really fascinates me is this. What really fascinates me is how much transformation was accomplished in people who spent such a short time with Jesus. I'm not talking about the people who um, he healed or delivered or raised from the dead. I'm not talking about those instances. I'm not talking about these extreme, these, you know, pinnacle moments in the life of that person in the life of Jesus. I'm, I'm talking about the brief moments of interaction and conversation where Jesus is just there looking deeply into the hearts and the eyes of people. And, and these encounters, as we read about them, they're so brief, but so transformative. I mean, you read through the gospel accounts and you see people who had conversations with Jesus and they experience transforming change. We experience Jesus as a tea candle and they experienced him as a blowtorch. We experience Jesus as a hand warmer and they experience Jesus as a blazing furnace. Now, when I say most of us in this next sentence, I'm saying me, most of us are very uncomfortable with the idea of Jesus being lover. It just weirds us out a little bit. We're willing to tolerate Jesus, lover of my soul. But that's pretty much as far as, as, as we want to go with this. Maybe it's because our modern sex-obsessed culture confuses and equates intimacy with sex. I mean, we're, we're brought up in a world now that a culture does not see the difference between an intimate relationship and a sexual relationship. And so when this intensely intimate language is brought into our religious life, and we talk about loving Jesus and being a lover with Jesus, wow, it just freaks us out. I mean, we're willing to sing, light the fire. But we're unwilling to sing, I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. There's a limit to how far we will allow our hearts to express a deep longing to have a relationship with Jesus that is more than just enough to not make us miserable. So Jesus calls and he invites. Jesus welcomes and he accepts. Jesus challenges and he confronted. So yes, I'm going to say it again. Myron is right. That Jesus sings to us this song of Nora Jones. Come away with me. Experience me and my love for you in a whole different way. But Jesus also sings another song. 
See, there were encounters with Jesus which did not end so merrily we quilt along. Some people left Jesus angry and indignant. Some people left Jesus apathetic and indifferent. This puzzles me. It really does. It puzzles me. It puzzles me the people who walked away from Jesus. But what's even more puzzling to me is that Jesus let people walk away. That's what puzzles me. That Jesus let people walk away. You know, in some cases, his challenge was so challenging that people left him in droves. We've heard enough. We've had enough. Whatever it is you're talking about, We want nothing to do with that. So it's a very different song than Nora Jones' song, Come Away With Me. It's a Bonnie Raitt song. I can't make you love me if you won't. I can't make your heart feel something. So I look at these things that I said last week. Fall madly in love with Jesus. Let his love melt your heart. I'm like, what, am I suddenly a spokesperson for the Hallmark Channel? I I look at those two statements and I say, eventually his love will be reproduced in you and my heart pangs with longing for this kind of relationship with him. For this kind of love. Have you ever loved someone more than they loved you? Right? I mean, somebody that you are just head over heels in love with, at the sight of them, your heart leaps for joy, and when they see you, they head for the hills. I mean, we have all, I guess, been in relationships where the intensity and the passion and the deep feeling of love was one-sided. You know, so it's no surprise to us to even try to let this thought rumble around in our mind that Jesus loves us more than we love him. That's not a shocking thing, is it? To, to think through. And, and you know, I don't know about you, but, but when I'm growing up and the things that I always heard, that was used as a weapon. It was used as a club. It was, it was used not to, not to convey and, and show the intense, deep, passionate love of Jesus for me, but to show me how worthless I was and how I was not measuring up. Well, if you only, you know, right? And so, you, I mean, you talk about a mixed message, a mixed metaphor, a message accomplishing the opposite of what it's intended to accomplish. So we have this struggle in our life, or maybe it's just me, where we are reconciling what really is indifference and apathy to the love of Jesus. We have a resistance to receiving and extending the love of Jesus. There is so much more to this than Jesus loves us more than we love him. So back to the premise. 
to experience the transforming love of God expressed to us through Jesus Christ, to fall madly in love with Jesus, to encounter the love of Jesus so fierce that it fuels the furnace of a heart-melting fire. What needs to happen? I just know that we have to change something. Maybe if we started to see Jesus in a different way. Maybe if we're able to relate to him in a different way. Maybe we need to experience him in the fullness of who he really is and what he has done for you. And this is the premise of our next series from the Gospel of John. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John because it is so theological, Christological. I mean, it's like, whoo. I love Mark too, but for, I love all my Gospels equally. But for a different reason. And I'm thinking about uh, the Gospel of John, and, and I thought, you know, if you could ever only read one book in the Bible, John would be enough. Be enough to transform your life, to change your heart, and for you to believe and know everything you needed to know about God and about Jesus and what he wants for you. If, if that's all you had. I mean, if there is suddenly a, along with our chip shortage, there is a paper shortage in our world, and we can only print one book of the Bible, and the church had to get together to choose what it was going to be, it's not hyperbole when I tell you we would need to choose the Gospel of John. Because what John is trying to do through his Gospel is he's trying to show us a different way to encounter Jesus. John is trying to let us see Jesus not just as a source of information, but to see Jesus as the source of transformation. Now, I did say I have a love-hate relationship, okay? And hate's a strong word. I really, really didn't want to start a series from the Gospel of John. But it's not for the reason that you might think. You see, um, I even looked all week long for something else to talk about than to start a series from the Gospel of John. Uh, you see, Beth's brother is a missionary in Switzerland. I know. Good work if you can get it, right? You know, what, were the Caribbean islands already taken? Oh, I guess I'll take Switzerland. And, uh, and so... His name is Brady, and it's Beth's much older, much, much, much older brother. He's a missionary in Switzerland and, and quite a scholar in the Gospel of John. And he's going to be here in a couple of weeks. And the last thing I want to do is stand up and talk about the Gospel of John in front of somebody who's a pretty good scholar in the Gospel of John. I mean, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you realize that they know more about what you're talking about than you do? Right? I, I mean, it's like trying to explain soccer to Bruce. 
It's like trying to explain nursing to Michelle. It's like trying to tell Larry White how to smoke a brisket. You know, the word we talked about last week was the word compelled. And as much as I tried to get away from this, the more I was drawn to it, the more I was compelled to be here in this moment. It all started because of something I read from the Gospel Transformation Bible. And I'm going to read to you, it's a, not a really big quote, but I'm just going to read you this quote from the Gospel Transformation Bible. And this is what was pushing me and driving me not only to, to preach in a way that I'm not used to preaching, but why to talk about John Setting out to find a gospel focus in John's gospel might seem like the challenge of finding a mountain in a photo montage of the Swiss Alps, an exercise in the obvious. That's it, the Swiss Alps. That's why Brady's an expert in the gospel of John. It makes all kinds of sense now. Yet there is a great difference between holding a travel brochure in your hand and actually standing at the base of the Alps. Now, you've experienced this when you rented that VRBO and you're actually looking at it and the brochure. Is this the same place? It's the difference between pleasant thoughts and soul-gripping wonder. The difference between a curious imagination and awe-fueled adoration. It's the difference between being well-studied and being knee-buckling stunned. John's gospel is written not just to inform our minds, but to inflame our hearts. Think of John's gospel not so much as a book, but as a destination John is a tour guide of the Alps of the gospel. He says to us as readers, you've got to see Jesus for yourself. There's so much more to Jesus and what he's done for you than you can possibly imagine or even hope. Indeed, John didn't write merely to communicate trustworthy data, which he does, but to generate transforming doxology, which he does. Now, the word doxology is, is just the word for a form or a liturgy of worship. And, and liturgy is just the way in which worship or praise is given to God. So, when we sing, praise God, from whom all blessings flow, we're not only singing a doxology, we're singing the doxology. That's the way to praise God and express it. The Gospel Transformation says that Bible says what John is trying to do is trying to engage each one of us as readers so that when we encounter Jesus in this text, we will respond like the woman who says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So, I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty good place for us to spend some time to discover Christ, not just simply be informed about Him, but so that His love can transform our hearts, so that our hearts can be set on fire. 
And so there's two questions that John is always trying to answer in his gospel. The first one is, who is Jesus? And the second one is, what has Jesus come into this world to accomplish? Now, don't get nervous. We're almost done. Because to date, this is like the longest introduction in the history of preaching. We're almost done. I just want to do this. I want to read to you the opening verses of the book of John. And I just want to give you one thing for you to think about and work through this week. So let's do that. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm just going to read the first five verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not made anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so this is the different part for me. I want you to just focus for a minute or so, and for the rest of the week, because I'm going to give you a, a spiritual exercise, I want you to focus on the word with. The word with. Just that word. And if we can just try to wrap our minds around what does the word with tell us? Not only about Christ, but about what he came to do. So, for example, this word in just these few verses tell us that from his relationship with God, that Jesus as God, he created from relationship to be in relationship. This word with is a powerful word. When John uses the word with, it's, it's not to show, uh, simply to show equality or a distinction of identity. When John is using this word, he's trying to show a connection of relationship with. So here's, here's the exercise. This week, read through the Gospel of John. And, and notice and pay attention every time you see the word with. Now, it, it occurs about a hundred times. And some of those uses are just the, uh, you know, the functional prepositional use. You know, he wrote with his finger, or, but you can ignore those. I didn't say ignore something that was in the Bible. Pay attention to the relational use of the word. Notice every time John is making a point that someone is with Jesus or Jesus is with someone. Now, this word with, do you know what it also means? It also means face-to-face. -face. It's also used to mean face-to-face. So that when Jesus is with God, he is face to face with God. When Jesus is with someone, he is face to face with them. And they are face to face with him. So, so start there. And just read through the Gospel of John and keep this face to face idea in mind. Try to imagine what they would be thinking being face to face with Jesus. 
Try to imagine what they would be seeing in his eyes, in his face, hearing in his words. And then, this is so hard to do, try to put yourself in their spot. If you had been that person, what would you be feeling being face to face with Jesus? Uh, Use what John is telling us about that encounter and put yourself in their place. If this had been you, what would you be seeing in the eyes of Jesus? What would you be hearing in his voice? This is moving us into a deeper relationship because John is inviting us as his readers into a state of proximity into a closeness of relationship. It's not just a, I'm with you. When I say I'm with you, I'm with you. John is trying to say, come in. Come closer. Be so close that you're face to face. If if you look down on verse 18, uh, it says this about Jesus also. John says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. When John says he has made him known, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the closeness that Jesus has with God. And this is lost in translation. Unless your Bible has a footnote. Because if your Bible has a footnote in verse 18, it's when it says who is at the Father's side, it literally means who was in the bosom of the Father. You can't get much closer than that. Face to face, in the bosom. And this is all written to us by someone who knew a thing or two about closeness because they're at the table in communion together with Jesus. He's leaning back and leaning into the side of Jesus. That's John, the one who wrote. So pay attention to this word with, how often it's being used and that how that would apply to you. When the Old Testament prophets spoke of the birth of Jesus, they said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus is on the cross, he turns to the thief next to him and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. In this moment of taking all of our sins onto himself, God withdraws from Jesus. And Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What he's saying is, God, why are you no longer with me? When Jesus is encouraging and equipping his disciples for a life without him, he says, don't worry. I will always be with you. And the greatest promise that we have because of what Jesus Christ has done for us is in the gospel according to Hebrews where God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Don't you see? God's heart is for you. He wants to be with you. Let's pray. Father, there was a time that from this very church, 
A hymn was written. Be with me, Lord. I cannot live without you. And that's true of our lives individually, and that's true of our life as a church. Why would we dare try to take a step without you? Why would we ever think that we could bear the loads of this life without you? How many times do we need to see that without you and your strength, we have nothing to lean upon, we have nothing to stand? Be with us, Lord. We pray through Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing one more song. Our elders are going to be in the breaks up front in the aisles. If you would like to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you would like to respond for prayer, please do so as we sing together.